Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes of public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by the finest service organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and yes, I have another great guest here. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Her name is Florence Chung. Actually, that may be a little bit different because she just recently got married. In fact, you know what? We won't even talk about any of the other questions. We'll talk about her honeymoon, Uh, but welcome to Florence Chung. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She launched a couple of nonprofits that are very important to our law enforcement friends out there. One is Engage Public Safety and we're definitely going to talk about that. Uh, She also launched Police Foundation Partners, which I definitely want to hear a lot about. And she has a long and and very distinguished list of jobs and expertise that I can go on and on in terms of, of public service, and we'll certainly talk about that. But let me stop talking. Florence, welcome to the show. Hi, Ken. Thanks for having me. Glad to be on. It's my pleasure. And yeah, let's, you know, to heck with all these, heck with engaged public safety and everything else. You know, congratulations on your new marriage. You look happy. Uh, thank you. Thank you. We're just a couple of weeks in. And so the is coming up. Ah, so you're one of those folks that got married and then you're doing the honeymoon sometime later on. I get it. Later, I get things sorted. So we're leaving next week for Cabo. It should be great. Ah, Cabo. There you go. I was going to say you're going someplace nice like Victorville, Apple Valley, <laughs> something. Yeah. Uh, need a little beach and some sun. You know, <laughs> in Los Angeles, we have that right here. Yeah. But yes, looking forward to it. Yeah, I always joke with my wife when we go someplace, especially when it's uh, someplace like Hawaii or uh, a location like that, I'll say, you know, isn't this the same damn ocean that we have, like, less than a mile from our house? (laughs) It's the same Pacific Ocean. It's not even the Atlantic. It's not on that side either. So, yes, but, you know, different sand, Ken. (laughs) I get it. I get it. You know, it's a different sand, different experience. But, all right, well, let's talk about Engage Public Safety because I believe you founded that in October. Uh, What was the motivation for that? What What was the mission? Tell us. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's brand new. October 2020 during COVID. So as we all know, once the protest started in the summer, it was a it was a very intense summer for the line of work that I'm in working with law enforcement between law enforcement and communities. And, you know, there was a phone call I received from someone who said, you know, we have a group of Gen Zers, college students from across the country that are really upset by what is happening. But, and they want to be part of the solution. What can we do? You work with law enforcement, what do we do here? And this was just maybe two weeks after uh, the death of George Floyd and the protests were going on across the country. So I said, you know, if if these young people want to be a part of the solution, they have to understand the problem first, right? So I said, let's get them in front of some law enforcement executives and let's, let's hash out what they're thinking. And so we hosted what ended up being a really powerful conversation between Gen Zers and young millennials from across the country and five police chiefs from across the country. And 
Fast forward, because of that powerful conversation, these students started a, uh, a committee and said they, they wanted to do more, right? They said that was a great one. A lot of myths were busted. Uh, I learned a lot. There was one student who said I was moved by the conversation. Uh, they thought that law enforcement would come into the call on a Zoom call with everybody's faces on the screen with their arms crossed saying, what is it, you know, with a bad attitude, which tells you what kind of uh, assumptions they held, right? But, and they were so blown away by the fact that we had the Charlottesville chief, we had the assistant chief from the NYPD, we had so many executives come to the table and say, we can do better, we will do better. Yeah. And gave these students some hope. So fast forward in October, what we did was we launched this nonprofit, Engage Public Safety. The mission is to engage everyday people, the public, in the public safety challenges in our cities. Because, Ken, you know, you know, there right before last year, I think there were people within uh, our communities that were that cared about public safety, but. After 2020, there are a heck of a lot more people who are paying attention to policing, public safety, and wanting it to be better. And so we started the nonprofit so that we can provide those opportunities for people who want to engage in the public safety conversation to do it in a constructive and positive way. So we bring all sides, all kinds of stakeholders together to the table through this nonprofit, through uh, you know, say law enforcement, community activists, college students. Uh, we've brought together uh, basketball, college basketball coaches from across the country. Nice. So what we found last year was that there were a lot of people with uh, renewed energy and passion for wanting to get engaged, civically engaged in their communities and in city hall with their elected officials and, and police departments, but they just didn't know how. So our nonprofit launched so that we could provide the how for people who wanted to do something positive. Yeah, I, I applaud you for, for starting it. And I applaud the, the folks, whether Gen Z, millennial, or any generation for that matter, that wanted to and actually did get involved in this program. Uh, because I, I think there's a lot of ignorance out there. Um, not stupidity, um, but ignorance. And I, I, I don't understand. I, I'm not a, a, a fan, obviously, of defund the police. Uh, I'm also not a 100% fan of defend the police. I think that there are changes that could be made. And I'm, I'm all for any change that is going to increase the probability of our officers getting home to their families safely on a on a much more regular basis so mm -hmm. i i think that there there is something there and it, it's it's killing that ignorance and understanding exactly what the job is yeah yeah i think there's ignorance there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation yeah. out there as well a lot of especially amongst uh well, I would say in the social media generation, yeah. those who rely heavily on social media, they're relying on those headlines. You know, they're not necessarily going beyond those headlines to, to research or figure out if something is real or not or fact-based or not. And so these narratives just kind of like runway trains, right? Mm. And they go. And I know there's frustration on, on all parts, all sides because it's not really fact-based. And so, um, I mean, the projects that we've been working on, they're rooted in this idea of 
let's explore all sides and perspectives. Let's yeah. open up our minds and see what these other perspectives are saying. And at the very least, hear from them so that you yeah. can, from an informed point of view, if you're trying to make some kind of difference or you know, you're seeking solutions and you wanna be part of the solution, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have to understand what the problem is from various sides, understand all the arguments. And so that was our starting point. And that's why we say we're nonpartisan, we're, we're neutral, fiercely neutral, which is hard to do these days, Ken. Yeah. But uh, trying to stay neutral so that we can bring these various perspectives to the table and have people who want to get involved explore. Give them all the different perspectives. Have them explore and have them come to uh, their own conclusions about what might be best. Yeah, and I, I also applaud you for getting law enforcement involved in this. Uh, yeah, I just from personal experience here in Long Beach, California, shortly after the George Floyd incident and the riots and so forth. And um, I was personally very disappointed to see what happened in, in my own city here where I live. The, there are a number of officials here in Long Beach that put together a number of Zoom meetings to talk about, well, in essence, what should public safety look like? Let's get input. And I was really disappointed in that there were no law enforcement representation at all in those meetings. And I even made the comment of how are we going to change a system without the people in the system involved in that change. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and, and that opinion was, <laughs> was, was, was responded to in a very harsh way, Florence. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I, I've seen that as well. Uh, but I'm of your mindset that you have to include law enforcement in the process. You can't, they have to be part of the equation. You can't just leave them out and then the community members gather and say, this is what needs to happen. This is what needs to change. Yeah. And then issue them a list of, issue the police department a list of demands and saying, you have to, you have to adhere to this, right? Uh, so I know it's not popular to include law enforcement. I think there are, I, I can somewhat see why there are segments of the community that may, um, be uncomfortable with including law enforcement because of the trauma and just kind of the experiences they've had um, and just the perspectives they hold and their lived experiences. However, at the end of the day, if we look at it, you know, long term, uh, if we change, to, it's going to take a while and there's no band-aid fix, although we're seeing all kinds of band-aid fixes come up. I guess it's better than nothing, but we have to uh, we have to think about the long game. And over time, we need to bring law enforcement to the table with community members and other stakeholders in order to get real, real something, real change done. Right? And because we have to bring them along, no one likes to have change forced down anyone's throat, right? Exactly. You have yeah. to. Uh, it has to be an, an inclusive process with these stakeholders that we're talking about, the police, police officers. And usually it's also the police chiefs are involved, the commissions, the, the city elected officials, the activists in the community, but how about even the police officers themselves? I know the police departments are a hierarchical you know, uh, institution. However, it's the beat cop. Um, I would love to he have beat cops, ordinary officers, 
involved in these conversations. Yeah. Exactly. Now a word from our sponsor, the Police Officers Credit Union Association. Coming this October 2021 is the Public Safety Business Summit in Savannah, Georgia, a program specifically created for organizations that serve first responders. What you will experience is a high level of networking and collaboration among like-minded leaders who are in the business of serving first responders. What you won't get are a series of boring lectures with no interactivity, ridiculous golf outings that are only appealing to a few attendees, or a couple of retreaded subjects that you can hear at any credit union league event that are just thrown into the curriculum. We offer an engaging agenda where attendees even help to determine the content during the actual conference based on their unique needs. If you run a business, a credit union, or a nonprofit that specifically serves first responders, then the Public Safety Business Summit is for you. For more information, go to www.policecreditunions.com or call 331-300-9889. We hope to see you in Savannah this fall. One thing I've noticed, and maybe maybe I'm ignorant or my circles aren't big enough, but what I've noticed is that eight or nine out of every ten police officers that I talk to uh, are open to change to some extent. Uh, even you know, to to use a very black and white example, uh, you know, why are we sending police to everything? Yeah, I, I mean, if if I'm if there's an armed robbery, I, I I want cops that are armed coming to to help me, okay? But you know, if it's if it's a homeless situation, um, or maybe even some domestic disputes, that's a little bit of a gray area for me. But let's you know, somebody's you know homeless and sitting outside of a home. You know, do we really need to send armed cops to that? You know, maybe there there is an opportunity to take to not have the police officer profession be this catch all basket. It's like, well, we don't know exactly who to send. You know, cops are mobile. Let's send them. You know, maybe there's this is an opportunity to focus the expertise of law enforcement in certain areas. And the ones that don't make sense, you know what? You know, maybe we do need to send a social worker. Maybe we do need to send an EMT. Maybe that's the better choice. Yeah, have you been hearing any of that in your discussions? Oh, you see me nodding, Ken, because you no. know what? I hear that all the time, and I've been hearing that for years. Uh, for more than a decade. So, you know, when I talk to whether they're police officers or police, you know, command staff, they always say, how come police are the, the, the catch-all for all yeah. of these problems, right? All of society's failures and, and the problems that get dumped on the police. And so, uh, and they get blamed when things go wrong or things are not going well in our society, and that's not fair. And so last year with all the, the conversations around uh, mental health and homelessness and what you just talked about should cops be going to every single call out there we call cops for the darnest things right? yeah. so uh i've heard people say you know i think the community citizens need to be trained on when to call cops and when yeah. not to dial 911 that that is included as well all right uh but i think uh i mean from what i've heard then there i i have not heard one uh, law enforcement official say that they want to, or they think that it should be police who respond to the homelessness mm -hmm. call 
or the mental health calls all on their own because uh, and they would gladly um, transfer those duties yeah. to other city uh, agencies, if you will. So um, I think we're you know there's a lot of top ground. Is is your is your hot pocket done? I heard a bell. <laughs> uh, so my, I, I can't seem to get all the notifications off. I, <laughs> you, you look like you're in good shape, so it's probably not a hot pocket. But anyhow. Organic. Seaweed, that type of stuff. All right. I'll, 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 I'll move on. But yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting in that. Uh, I've uh, I have the privilege of having talked to many law enforcement professionals, both active and retired, and many of them have said that they're usually the first ones to arrive on almost any call uh, because they're mobile. Uh, use the heart attack as an example. Many times, the police officer is the first to arrive because they may be three blocks away and the uh the emts are are close but they're like the the firehouse is two miles away so they may take some time personally if i'm having a heart attack and i see a cop first i'm gonna be a little pissed i want to see the emts (laughs) okay unless you're in a city where the police cars actually have those defibrillators in their truck which leads me to this other point of there are police foundations out there that have, and citizens have come together to fund defibrillators uh, for police cars. So that, you know, because the cops are typically the ones that are the first first responder on the scene. And it may, you know, that might be the the life or death situation where if it takes a, a whole minute, other minute, for firefighters or paramedics to arrive. And, but the police sure. officer is there, he pulls the defibrillator, out from behind in the, the trunk, and there you go. Uh, so I know uh, many police departments that have opted to go that route. To have yeah, that kind of yeah, that's that's a great point. And you know, you've you've done this before because you're giving me a perfect segue here. Because uh, I've I've worked with a number of police foundations, and I've heard that that they've they've had programs, fundraisers, what have you, to get certain medical equipment um, to police officers for that very reason. Um, And you launched Police Foundation Partners. Was that in conjunction to engage public safety, or was that a whole different endeavor that came to mind completely? (laughs) That, the Police Foundation Partners, as an initiative, that vision was in my head for years and years before we actually launched January 2020. Uh, This was before for engaged public safety. Okay. And, you know, we we're working with police foundations. I uh, was a consultant with many police departments, helping them launch brand new police foundations when they didn't have one. And so we launched several. And, uh, you know, I would go to IACP conferences and uh, sit in, you know, it's a once a year conference. And there were a lot of great resources offered to police departments who wanted to either start a new police foundation or grow their fledgling small foundation, uh, but how about the rest of the year? And so we thought, why don't we bring all our resources and our our knowledge and help America's police foundations grow, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They can start one, we can help them start one if they don't have one, but let's help them grow because most of America's police foundations 
are fairly small. Yeah. I, mean, I wish we were all like LA, New York, you know, Atlanta with big police foundations that bring in millions of dollars and have, are professionally run by staff. Yeah. Mm, that's not the case for most of uh, America's police foundations. And so we launched Police Foundation Partners as a way to, uh, it's a network, it's a community of police foundation, uh, police foundations and their leaders. So all the executive directors and people who lead these organizations are uh, invited to be members of police foundation partners. So think of it as an association, uh-huh. if you will, of police foundations. And so we bring them together on a monthly basis via Zoom, and it creates this peer-to-peer yeah. Uh, network and an exchange. And so, you know, there was a, a police foundation in, in Northern California that I was working with, whose police chief came to them one day and said, I want to start a scholarship program for high school kids. Yeah. Police foundation, can you make it happen for me? That executive director called me and said, I, is there another police foundation in the country that does this? Or do I have to re- reinvent the wheel? And I knew because I work with many police foundations, I knew that there was one in Southern California that had a very successful scholarship program that did wonders for police community relations. So I connected that executive director with the other executive director. They talked, they shared resources. No reinventing of the wheel had to happen, right? But every police foundations don't have ton of resources to pay staff and consultants and all that. So uh, that's where the vision came and said, let's support America's police foundations to have them become stronger organizations, stronger platforms for engagement. Because who who's involved with police foundations? They're, they're business community members, business leaders, civic uh, leaders in a given city who care about public safety and want to support the local police department. And so um, once we launched Engage Public Safety, then as the official nonprofit, we brought uh, police foundation partners underneath the nonprofit as an initiative. But that was when it first launched, it was a pro bono you know, community investment project that I had started under my consulting company, the Hetty Group. So I lived there for, for about a year or so. And then yeah. now it's a full-blown nonprofit initiative and we're happy to support um, police foundations across the country. Right now we have 30, uh, about 33 cities involved with us. Nice. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, before COVID, when we actually had these things called events, uh, you may have heard of them. They were called conferences and summits and yeah, things, you know, and it, human beings came together uh, many times in the same room. Um, I think that they're trying to bring this nostalgia back a little bit later in 2021. Uh, but prior to that, uh, the National Police Credit Union had put together a leadership conference for police foundation executives. And it just blew my mind because you had it ran the whole gamut from say yeah, the police foundation in Wichita which I think is basically a one woman show great woman uh, don't get me wrong but basically a one woman show and then you go to the Houston Police Foundation and Tillman Fertitta of uh, Landry's uh, fame is basically you know helping to, to make that happen and everything in between and it's like 
wow. <laughs> yeah, how do you how 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 do you manage to be able to provide the the resources and guidance to a one woman one man team as well as the you know okay we've got a board of of nine executives and they're all well known and we've got resources and everywhere in between how do you manage that? I know you know what so we have a lot of the larger foundations. Their executive directors, they're well-funded. They have staff. They have a full-time person who's seasoned, yeah. professional. They, some of them have a staff of five people, right? But like you said, one, there are a lot of one-woman, one-man shows. A lot of them are involved with us. So the <laughs> foundations right, are the ones that serve as kind of peer, peer support. And they share a lot of their ideas. Washington, D.C. is very involved with us. San Diego, right? These larger foundations... Uh, they have been there and done that, and so they can share uh, their journey with the uh, the police foundations that have one staff member, or uh, oftentimes uh, someone who is just part time, not even full time. Yeah, part time. And so what we do at Police Foundation Partners is provide a forum on a monthly basis for police foundations who are on all. Uh, sections of the scale, right? Or whether you're you've been around for five years but still a startup, yeah. Or you know, a, or some that just started up six months ago. We have someone from uh, Quarryville, um, uh, Pennsylvania, who joined, and they just started theirs. Uh, they've probably been around for about a year now. And then we have the San Diego's and the Washington D.C.s yeah. that can say in uh, the Philadelphia's. Uh, that come in and provide that information and that support. But what we're finding is that even the big ones, even the ones that have staff and been around for a long time, they still have questions. They mm -hmm. still find value in community. Right? Coming together and, say, and saying, well, we just fundraise and support our own police department. Well, what's going on over there in that other city? <laughs> what happened last year was that police foundations became a target. Yeah. Right? So the defund movement made its way over to uh, target police foundations as well. And some police foundations uh, had a really rough go of it last year. Uh, being, you know, their board members were attacked, uh, you know. Donors on, were attacked, on, yeah. yeah. Donors were attacked on social media, et cetera. Um, but, you know, we brought them together so that they could, we had all kinds of Zoom calls and created a sense of community so that they can learn from each other, talk to each other, give each other a heads up, give each other advice on how to manage social media during really, really sensitive times for law enforcement, right? Those types of discussions are really valuable. And so um, this type of um, uh, community, I think, is really helpful uh, because at the end of the day, we want these organizations to do really well because they are a vehicle, right, for community engagement for the public to get involved in public safety. If they're floundering or not doing so well or getting themselves in a pickle, then that doesn't help. So uh, if we're able to provide that a national level support by forming this association and giving them, having them you know, meet monthly and um, providing that sense of, hey, I'm not alone in my city just running this foundation by myself. Um, we're hoping that the vision is, we're hoping that it will all become stronger over time. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would think that 
a police foundation would be one, not the only, but one of the organizations that could possibly be the catalyst to bring a law enforcement agency and a community together. Ah, uh, yes. Perfectly positioned, actually, in my mind. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're so perfect. I think uh, a lot of police foundations are misunderstood. Uh, I don't think they've, they've done a great job of you know, selling themselves or marketing themselves or whatever we want to call it, positioning mm -hmm. themselves. Branding, yeah. Yeah, branding. They think that they're a piggy bank for the police chief or that they're mm -hmm. funding military type militaristic equipment when a lot of these police foundations are funding police community related activities and programming that the city police department would not otherwise be able to afford, right? So um, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. They, they are, do come to the table with a lot of solutions that uh, people have been talking about in the last year. Um, it's just that people don't know about it because they're thinking they see the word police and foundation in the name and yeah. come up with these kinds of assumptions. Uh, so I think there's a way to go, a long way to go for police foundations to kind of educate the community on how they can actually be a partner yeah. in bringing solutions to the table. Yeah, completely agree. So, so what's kind of the future? I mean, we have engaged public safety and police foundation partners, for that matter, that are, are basically fledgling. Not only are they only about a year or so old, some less, some more, <laughs> um, couple, coupled with the fact that they were created in COVID times. And now, you know, knock wood, we may get to something that looks like normal. I think normal is dead, uh, but something that looks more normal uh, coming up. So what what's the future for Engage Public Safety? What can we look forward to? Yeah, I think, you know, we're just wrapping up a project that we worked on since January, where we worked with uh, the college students and, and the young millennials, so Generation Z, actually, um, from across the country. They came to us. Their organization represents you know, 44 college campuses across 40 states, a Republican, Democrat, rural, urban, suburban, very representative. And they came together to uh, produce this video podcast series. Right? Nice. We launched that on YouTube uh, called Next Gen Talks. Next Gen Talks, The Future of Policing. And this is where they explored all the various perspectives from various stakeholders on the, what the future of policing can look like and should look like. And then these young people brought their perspectives to the table. So again, they informed themselves as to what the issues are. And then they came to the table. We had a virtual forum with uh, seven police chiefs from across the country. They came. Nice. And they talked with these uh, Gen Zers on Zoom and the Gen Zers said, this is what's important to us. This is, you know, and they're our future leaders. They're the ones out protesting. They're the ones on social media right, right. now. And uh, they said, this is what's important to us with the future of policing. Um, and then uh, the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund and Museum, sometime this week, will be releasing uh, a recap of that project uh, to their uh, audience of, I believe, over 300,000 people within the law enforcement community to say, hey, hear what this next generation is saying. And let's not assume we might already know what these young people might be saying. Um, actually, I think we'd all be surprised. I was, yeah. I've been working with law enforcement for 20 plus years and, you know, and working with the community. And this, this project was so 
powerful in that meeting it's on youtube i mean if you can spare two hours to watch it i mean my <laughs> people are so impressive and uh there were so many takeaways and i won't get into it but my point is i think if we talk about the future of policing it, it, i talked about how you know we all agree it's kind of a long road however future of engaged public safety as an organization we hope the future is bright because i think there's a need people want to do something right but if they need a constructive way to move forward uh, we just are wrapping up this project we're thinking of uh we we're in the works to start a new project in the city of atlanta mm -hmm. um we've been in talks with the atlanta police foundation out there to work with the hbcus the, the college students from the historically black colleges mm -hmm. and universities in atlanta because they want to get involved so the future for us is to continuously engage the public yeah. in public safety conversations. They, they might be virtual conversations where we bring together maybe, you know, there's a group out there. Uh, I, I talked about a lot of college students because that's the group that uh, kept coming to us, right? Yeah. There could be, and I talked about the basketball coaches from college campuses, but there might be the, the jujitsu community, <laughs> or the, you know, the horseback riders, uh, so whatever group out there that takes an interest. Right. I, 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 I want the, uh, you know, given, given that my mom was retired plays cribbage, I want the cribbage community to be involved. <laughs> If you make that happen, Florence? Can, yes, if the cribbage community says, we want to do something positive, we need an organizing force behind the scenes to get that done. We're here. We'll be your partner. So, so if you want to be involved, instead of putting those damn pegs in that wooden board that I don't even know what the hell that is in, in cribbage, you know, go call Florence and get involved. But uh, but I, I love what you're doing, and, and I it goes to one of the things I've been saying since this unfortunate George Floyd incident and the, the unrest and the divisiveness and all that other fun stuff um, has happened is that I, I truly believe that there are, are three groups in this country. Uh, I think that there's a group that will support law enforcement sometimes nearly blindly um, and that's not going to change. Unfortunately, I think that there's a group that will always be anti-cop. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do believe there is a group, um, and it's a very, very large group that are somewhere in between, that you're not going to convince this anti-cop group that's just staunchly that way. But there are a bunch of people that are like, you know, I, I want to learn. I want to be part of the change. And I, I want to, I don't like what's going on, but I think that there could be something better. And I want to work to, to make that something better. And I think that whether it's Gen Z, Millennial, or those cribbage players, I yeah. think that that's where you're, you're hitting with engaged public safety. And I, I think that that's awesome. You hit the nail on the head, Ken, because there are... There are a lot of people who will not say, I, I'm not anti-police. I don't subscribe to the overarching narratives that have been floating around. I am not anti-police and I'm not anti-BLM. I'm just, you know, I just want things to be better. And, right. and we have, you know, we, even the students that were involved with us in our projects, they were, they had family members that were in law enforcement, right? Um, friends that were in law enforcement but they were still saying, we want 
to see change. And they were part of this conversation and this project. And those are the people I think will be the ones moving the needle. We talk about the future, the ones that are on the extreme that don't want to budge, there's no yeah. change happening yet. But those right. that are coming to the middle and saying, okay, can we, can we work with people here? Can we, the change is iterative, iterative. It might be oh. slow, but we have to start somewhere. So we're here, uh, we're, we're on that long journey. We just started, uh, but we are excited um, to, to be here and to fill that gap for those who are uh, of that mindset that you just described, yeah. Ken, um, we'd be happy to work with them. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a long journey, but um, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're on it, Florence, and uh, I'm I'm happy to to go on that journey with you. Um, speaking of that, I could I could talk to you for another hour, but uh, but you have better work to do than to sit here and talk to me. So the last question that I have for you is is for those folks, especially those folks possibly in that middle group that want to be part of the change and, and want to in some way, shape or form be in, be a part of engaged public safety, how best can they find you? Yeah, uh, well, just you can visit our website, engagepublicsafety.org. Uh, you'll find all the information there, drop us a line or people can email me directly, Florence engagepublicsafety.org. Perfect. And I will tell you that Florence actually does answer her emails. That's how <laughs> she got on this show. And remember, it's .org. It's not .com or .net or .ca or .anything else. It is .org. Uh, so Florence, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you, Ken. I enjoyed this as well. Thanks for having me. Perfect. And thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we'll be back with you next week with another great guest. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.